Welcome to the Orange Socks Podcast, where we are inspiring life despite a diagnosis. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Nebaker. In this episode, I speak with Stephanie and Andy about their experience having a child with the terminal diagnosis of anencephaly. They have used their profound experience to benefit others by creating a nonprofit organization, Carrying to Term. The information on their website, carryingtoterm.org, and their brochures placed in multiple medical clinics in 12 states and expanding rapidly has helped hundreds of expectant parents dealing with a terminal diagnosis. Their information and training has helped hundreds of physicians to better understand their patients' needs in dealing with this difficult circumstance. I was honored to speak with them, and I know you're going to benefit from hearing their story. Stephanie and Andy, thank you so much for taking the time to do an Orange Sox interview with me. I really appreciate you taking the time. Stephanie, tell me just a little bit about your story when you found out you had a child that had a terminal diagnosis. Tell me what that was like. Sure, so Andy and I were newlyweds. We had just a dream wedding and honeymoon experience. We were living together, getting our home together. We knew we wanted a family relatively quickly after getting married, and so we were just, I think, at a really high point in life, and it was a few months later that we learned that I was pregnant, and we were just so excited that you know God had answered a prayer so quickly and easily for us. And then a few months later, we were five months married, so very much newlyweds, and we received the diagnosis. It started off as a crania, where a part of Grace's skull was missing that then over time turns into a diagnosis of anencephaly. And the diagnosis was presented to us actually at the end of the ultrasound. They had scanned her head. So up until that point, we went through the whole appointment thinking we had this perfect child. Everything was looking wonderful. And then they got to her head. And that's when the sonographer was a bit more silent and definitely noticed something was wrong and had stopped the ultrasound at that point and shared that she needed to step out of the room and we were confused we weren't sure what that meant exactly i think at the time andy was a little more confident that it meant something wasn't right in my heart i was hoping it was just a doctor coming back in to confirm that everything was perfect so you got the news what were your thoughts andy you know, we were devastated. It's just cried immediately. A lot of being scared about what this journey was gonna look like. A lot of just lack of knowledge, what it looks like to go through a pregnancy, the next six months of our pregnancy, knowing that our daughter, who looked perfect on this ultrasound screen to us, she was flipping around and looked like our little ballerina. That's what we were saying, the fact that she wasn't gonna live much longer. And I think one of the really hard things for us was the doctor didn't know if Grace was gonna live a month or all six months. And they basically said, well, she probably is not gonna make it to term. And if she makes it to term, then she's not gonna make it through the birth canal because of her condition. And if she makes it through the birth canal, then it's probably gonna be a couple breaths and she's gonna pass away. And so there are all these times you're trying to live joyfully and we try to make as much joy out of being mom and dad to Grace as we could during the time that we had her. But there was also some fear in there that said, you know what, 
This might be her last kick that we feel. This might be the last time that we get to see her on an ultrasound screen. There's a lot of that, so we really just tried to live in the moment and enjoy the time that we had with her. You know, we went to the park. We weren't gonna be able to take Grace to the park again. So we went to the park and we tried to do things that we would do with a six week old or you know an eight week old or whatever it may be, just to try to be as much of a family as we could in that moment. That's interesting. So you created opportunities for Grace in utero that she wouldn't be able to have after she was born. What type of advice, Stephanie, did the doctors give you at that time? Our primary doctor wasn't available at the time, so we had met with a doctor whom we had never met before, and he was very compassionate and just extended his sincere apologies that he couldn't give us the news that we had hoped for that day. Basically, he said, I would like for you to go see the perinatologist to do a 4D scan just to confirm that what we're seeing is correct. And he said, I want you to take the time to think about what you and Andy would like to do with the remaining of your pregnancy and whatever decision you make will support you in that. We immediately after that appointment went just next door, met with the maternal fetal medicine specialist, the perinatologist, and at that appointment, the care was much different. We went into that appointment, she confirmed, yes, this is a crania and encephaly, and she said, well, you can go ahead and induce early and try again. In that moment, I wasn't sure what induce early meant. I was very confused because I'm right, I'm processing this diagnosis. And I said, induce early, so does that mean like as the pregnancy is going on and we notice something's happening, that that means that we could choose to go into labor early? And she goes, no, you can end the pregnancy like now if you would like. And that's when Andy chimed in and he said, Steph, they're encouraging us to terminate. In that moment, we said, absolutely not. I said, we're not gonna terminate. And Andy, I think, repeated the exact same thing, just confirming. And we just said, there's no further reason for us to be here. And so we concluded that appointment and got out of there as quick as we could. And that just compounded the devastation we were already feeling. Because when we got the diagnosis, you know, we had already loved our daughter and this was our daughter and the diagnosis didn't define her. And here we were having somebody encourage us to end her life based on this diagnosis. And we just couldn't personally comprehend that. That's a very powerful statement, thank you. So she was born. She lived through the rest of the pregnancy and was born and you named her Grace. How long did Grace live after she was born? Grace lived for 10 hours and 32 minutes. And we were told that she might just take a breath and pass away. And in fact, our first priorities after she was born was to baptize her. And our family was just in the waiting room outside of our room. So right after she was born, within three minutes, a chaplain came in who we had previously met with. He did a beautiful baptism for her. And the doctor went out of the room and basically shared with our family that she didn't think she had long. What we didn't know at that time was that she had told our family that maybe Grace would have an hour. And what ended up happening was the 10 hours and 32 minutes we had with her. When she was born, she came out crying. We expected silence. So her 
cries were music to our ears. She sounded just as beautiful as any newborn crying. And as she was placed on my chest, she settled into just this very peaceful place. She regulated her breathing on her own. We confirmed that she wasn't in any kind of discomfort. And that's where she stayed for the remaining of that time with the exception of a couple minutes when Andy had held her. But yeah, that was just an incredible experience. We always talk about the spirituality and the power in those minutes together. So Andy, what do you think the uh, impact was on your life personally, your extended family, of those 10 hours and 32 minutes of Grace's life? She had such an impact on our lives, our family's lives, other people's lives. Um, as Steph shared our story on Instagram, we had people that came to us saying, you know, I was headed to Planned Parenthood to have an abortion and I saw what you guys are going through. Something hit me and we think that that's the spirit that hits them to say, you know what, this baby is worth having. What many people see as an inconvenience is sometimes inconvenient, but also very, very purposeful and powerful. So we know that Grace had touched so many lives, even in her 10 hours and 32 minutes. I mean, I'd say that she's probably had more impact in 10 hours and 32 minutes than most people have had in their entire lives. So it's just an amazing thing. And then you know, specifically on our family, I think that we, you know, you can go one of two ways on this, which is let it tear you down in grief or really give you conviction that there is a God, that he is in control and that he does and allow things to happen that will be used for good. You know, there's a scripture, Romans 8.28, which is, He does all things for good. And that just really gave us conviction that that is the case. As a result of grace, I think Steph and I both have extremely purposeful jobs, purposeful ministries that we are embarking upon, and I don't think we've ever been as fulfilled as we are now in what we're doing and the purpose that we're on. So grace gave us some purpose for sure. It's great. So, Stephanie, if I were to come to you, just having received a diagnosis that I had a child with anencephaly, what advice would you give me? The first piece of advice I would give for families that are facing a diagnosis is to really become fully informed of the diagnosis. Once you become informed of the diagnosis, then you get to choose how you're going to live out your story. If you embrace that, there are opportunities to be intentional, to create memories, and because as human beings, we're made of so many complexities. I think you need to consider your mind, your body, and your spirit in this, and all of those things together make a fully informed decision, and then continue to make intentional decisions throughout the pregnancy so that you don't have any regrets, so that you're creating memories as a family, so that during labor and delivery, you have special keepsakes and the things that you can hold on to and really cherish that time together. So, Andy, this was a tough time that you had. You opted not to abort the pregnancy, to terminate, to have the child. Any regrets? There are really no regrets in that journey. You know, I think there are things that happened after Grace passed in the midst of grief that I probably would have done a little bit different as a husband and a father. Very few people get to experience that level of grief having seen their daughter take her last breath. And with that grief, I believe that the enemy loves to 
seek out those people and exploit that. And so there were some things just as a husband I probably would have done differently with a grieving wife. So those are the, probably the only things that I would have done differently is, is replayed that probably year after Grace passed away that we were in the depths of grief. But other than that, I think we would have done the exact same thing the exact same way. To add to that, I would just say in our experience, when we were facing death each day, that forced us to really ask ourselves, how much love can we give? How much love can we give Grace? How much love can we give each other? And we talk about how joyful our pregnancy was with Grace, that once we embraced our story, we just had an amazing community of support. We really felt called to share our story and we did that with conviction. And we experienced so much joy because of that. Going back to the question about what we would share with parents, I would also just be really honest with them in saying that you know you prepare for the time that you have with your baby. You don't know how to prepare for what happens once they're no longer with you. And so I think doing some prenatal counseling and understanding the grief that happens with a diagnosis and then following is so important and we really leaned into healing and doing some intentional healing and counseling and things like that as a couple because as Andy just shared that was really difficult on us trying to navigate that after being surrounded by such a wonderful community suddenly it was just he and I alone and that was a really lonely place for us but we got through it and continue to just embrace those triggers and pain that come as a result of still not having grace here. And you actually have also done something which I think is wonderful. You've extended that knowledge to others through the creation of an organization. Do you want to talk about that? We launched Carrying to Term, okay. which can be found online at carryingtoterm.org in June of 2016 in Grace's Legacy. And it is an online space that provides support, resources, and tools to the medical community, parents, and their friends and relatives. Awesome. And it's a wonderful site, and I would recommend it to anybody having visited it. What a wonderful resource that, that you've created for those communities. I am grateful to Stephanie and Andy for sharing their story, and I encourage you to find out more information about their organization, Carrying to Term please go to their website today at carryingtoterm.org and make a donation to help them help others trying to cope with the terminal diagnosis in their unborn child. Thanks for listening to this episode. Orange Socks is an initiative of RISE Incorporated, a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting and advocating for people with disabilities. Follow Orange Socks on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, orangesocks.org, for more stories and to find national and local resources to help parents of children with disabilities.